Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. We are back for another episode. Before we get to today's content, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Exoskin. If you're not familiar with Exoskin, they make compression garments, both shorts, compression leggings, kind of like three-quarter compression leggings, and they also make socks and some shirts. And they're well-known in the ultra-running world, but they're starting to jump into the obstacle course racing world. And I uh, just picked up a couple of pairs of both their shorts, their socks, and also their Exo underwear, their newest product. Uh, great compression apparel. I wore it this past weekend at KC Timber Challenge's Family Timber Challenge. So if you go back and look at my Instagram or Facebook, see a bunch of videos of me racing in it. Really like it. It's got nice, real snug, uh, wicks waterway real nice. And uh, it's covered in this like coppery fabric that uh, is supposed to be antibacterial. So that's, that's also pretty cool. And the other thing I'd say is um, I know Christina Armstrong has had it for years, some of their socks. And when I was with her this weekend at Battle of the Line, she pulled out a pair, still look brand new. And if you know anything about Christina, she does endurance just like I do. So she treats stuff pretty rough. And those socks still look still look really great. So if you're on the uh, kind of the size line there, right, like if you either wear a medium or large, depending on the size, I would lean towards the slightly larger size. Because like, like I said, they're definitely snug. And um, for the EXO compression shorts, I tried wearing them as underwear once. Ah, a little bit too snug to wear as underwear. Uh, the EXO underwear actually feels like underwear. It's a little bit thinner, a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more space. So check those out. Uh, if you want to order a pair of any of that, Strength 20 will give you 20% off. And uh, don't get a kickback from that. That's all discount for you. Um, yeah. Let's jump into today's episode. Joining me, I have... Masters athlete and the man with the most uh, CTG Masters wins, uh, Doug Snyder. Hey, everyone. And then also joining me, I have the last female Battle Frog champion and the first female Battle of the Lions champion, Amy Magic Pagic. Hello. Cool. So we're going to be talking about a bunch of the recent races on this episode. Specifically, Amy went out to do the Horseshoe Bend OCR in Arizona. A very scenic OCR. Um, cover that a little bit. And then we're going to be talking about the first ever Battle of the Lions. So I wanted to grab a male and female perspective to talk a little bit about it, kind of the atmosphere and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the, all the stuff, the wooden posts, which I know is going to come up. So <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not in the BOTL Facebook group, you need to get in there because it is hysterical in there. Um, and we'll talk about the wooden posts in a little bit. But let's start off with Amy. Horseshoe Bend OCR, tell me about that, how did it go, and uh, kind of your experience, Amy. Awesome. So, um, originally, like most of the other races, it was supposed to be last year, um, but COVID kind of messed everything up. So, this year, they actually had to change venues and change a lot to actually be able to host the race, um, but I think they still did a really good job putting it in a scenic area. Um, I guess as far as... Um, Overall, if you're doing the race for the goal of being competitive and like podium and prizes, it's probably not one that you should look into. But if you're looking for one that's more fun, enjoyable, and an excuse to get out, this is absolutely something I would recommend. Um, so it's a, a smaller race company, so we didn't really know what to expect um, as far as what the obstacles would be, how difficult it would be, and whatnot. Um, and honestly, I was really impressed by the quality of the obstacles that they had. Um, we expected them to kind of be easier 
because it's more of a, a fun-based race. Um, and they were easy, but they still had a rig um, with some pipes and some rings in it. And they had cargo nets, but they had one that was kind of like a, a cargo net bridge where you had to go up and then across a large horizontal section and then back down. So even though they were easy, they still made them really interesting. Oh, nice. um, so I went off in the first wave and the first six of us took a good four mile scenic detour. <laughs> so it was still, it was pretty, um, but we had kind of been going a while and we didn't see, we had a sandbag carry and then nothing. And we're like, what's going on here? <laughs> so we all kind of turned around and figured out where we went wrong. Um, we, I guess, misinterpreted some signage. Um, but after, by the time we got back there, they had a volunteer redirecting everybody. So I think we were the only ones that had that issue. So oh, I, I was talking to uh, Nick, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Sturiel, Sturiel. He's one of the Tough Mudder guys, moved to Kansas City recently, I guess last year. And uh, it's, been, it's been coming to a bunch of the Midwest races. And uh, yeah, he was saying that like the way the terrain was laid out, it was like, you know, like kind of these dunes and these hills. And you could be like, well, I could go left or right. And almost at like every intersection. And yeah. Kind of confusing. The terrain was definitely different. Um, and if you live in Arizona, it's probably normal. Um, but it was all like deep sand and that slick rock. And initially it put us on a trail that was like lined with rocks and cairns. And where we were going, I mean, we were still following a trail. It was just, we weren't supposed to follow that trail anymore. <laughs> Gotcha. And we, we were having a, a good laugh at your expense. Um, but <laughs> the, the race is only four miles. How did you manage to take a four mile detour? Right. Cause you, it's two miles out, two miles back. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the funny thing, we were all, we were, there's a group of us, we were just joking and talking after we knew that we had kind of messed up bad enough. Um, but the, um, the guy we were talking to, he kind of compared it to a Spartan race. So like we had a carry and then we got another mile in and we're like, well, and if this is a Spartan, that's fairly comparable, right? We had one obstacle to two miles. Um, <laughs> but um, And then on top know. of that, you know, a lot of OCRs, they, they backload the obstacles because right. otherwise you get lines literally everywhere, right? It's right. So and it's then the way that completely sorry, unreasonable. Yeah, not completely yeah. unreasonable. Yeah. And the way the terrain was, um, I know they wanted to take us out by the cliff to have some scenery. And they couldn't really put obstacles on the slick rock because it was so uneven and unstable. So we figured, oh, maybe they're just going to loop us around and then have an obstacle gauntlet. But that never came. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And I also saw you ran into uh, some of our friends from UFOs down there. Yes. Uh, so that was um, driving. We flew into Phoenix and then driving up, we took a detour to the Grand Canyon because um, why not? And we ran into Natalie right on the edge of the Grand Canyon. So was that completely and random? It was. We just, That's we so wild. Pictures. Yeah, and we heard her be like, oh, UFOs. So I turned around, and I was wearing my CTG Pro Team uh, jacket, zipper jacket, the Hylie jacket. And she was like, wait a minute. I know you guys. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, because I saw your picture online. I was like, did they coordinate to meet up? That's really weird. No, um, that was completely random. It was crazy. That's wild. I said, yeah, that's the other, like, really, we were doing it. Um, the Horseshoe Bend obstacle race doesn't excuse to go to Page, Arizona. So there's a lot over there. You have the Grand Canyon, Zion, Bryce, um, the Escalante uh, National Monument. 
um, Horseshoe Bend, obviously, Antelope Canyon. There's like so many scenic things over there. So there's a lot to do outside of just the race. Yeah, I love doing that. I love using a race as like the motivate, the final like straw to like get me to go someplace and then just yeah. uh, doing touristy stuff the whole weekend or the whole week, whatever, whatever it may be. No one's picked that up yet. <laughs> yeah. Makes for a more memorable travel. And then you get a, plus you get a race in there. So, yes. So when, whenever I tell my wife we're going to a foreign country, uh, her first question is what race is going on? <laughs> because that's usually that's like the that's the the final impulse for for us to go someplace i'm like all right we're going here and then we're going to this country because you know it's right next door or whatever so all right so horseshoe bend sounds cool to see but um maybe maybe they'll fix their competitive portion and the, some of their course markings next year yeah um, i think they're hoping next year they can get back on their regular course where they're where they normally hold it, but that's on Navajo land, which uh, is closed for COVID right now. Gotcha. So maybe that, maybe that kind of messed things up. Yeah. Even further. All right, let's jump over to the big news, right? First ever battle of the lions. So Amy was there, Doug was there. We had like eight people or nine people total from the CT pro team. Um, we left Doug out of the picture, even though it was his idea to take the picture. I apologize. <laughs> and it was, I felt like everyone, I, every OCR athlete I know in Texas was at that event. It was like walking around the festival was like, I literally know everyone here. This is awesome. <laughs> so Doug, take me through some of like your initial impressions on um, the atmosphere. And then let's jump into talking about the actual course. Like, like you mentioned, there were so many familiar people there. And I, I thought it was just awesome how many were running the pro wave. They had a, a, an area in the festival grounds that was just kind of like the pro area to make them feel special and that that was a neat take that i haven't really seen too many places um they had a they had a lot of nice banners up around everything i, th- I thought it was well organized as far as the check-in and just the flow to get into the festival i mean that, that's my initial impression uh the venue was pretty muddy uh, people were kind of dirty, but by the time they even got checked in, I think. <laughs> but but that's the nature of the beast in Texas with all the rain that can happen at any time, I guess. Dallas and, is always uh, uh, the Dallas like CTGs are always flooded. You know, it's yeah always it's just the time of year. Gonna, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I heard everybody was talking about. I think it was like 2017 Dallas or something like that was just just a big flood zone down there and obstacles were floating and people were wading through water to go over obstacles and stuff like that. <laughs> At <laughs> so, least it wasn't still. That's true. If with, I, I take the rain over the, like it being a hundred degrees too, you know? So people are like, oh, why yeah. don't you just move the weekend of the race? It's like, well, Dallas gets to like stupid hot in the summer. So like, that's a pretty good reason not to run it in August, you know? Yeah. 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 And I mean the mud and the water, I think just adds an interesting element to it. And, um, you know, some people practice their obstacles wet so that they're ready for that kind of stuff. And just, uh, you know, it, it adds a competitive element, I think. Yeah. I really like the pro zone. I thought that was really cool. It's kind of something, uh, you know, unique and made you feel a little bit special. And they had, uh, uh, Alex Buford, Alexis Buford in there, the volition chiropractic. Yeah. She was, so she was giving yeah. out free treatment. So that was kind of nice. And, uh, yeah, just seeing everyone. Um, was awesome. I think I feel like the atmosphere just 
it, it had like a really positive atmosphere. Um, so then the obviously race got started and it had a unique start. Tell us about the, the start of the race and the actual course. Yeah, definitely. Right, right at the starting corral, uh, everybody was asked to pick up a pair of cement blocks that were on little pieces of rope with like a one and a half inch PVC handle. And I mean, the rule was to carry it by the handle. So it was a wide grip and you were starting the race with a taxed grip and you ran about a 200 yard loop and dropped the block back off at the starting line as you headed off onto the course. Very creative. Again, something I haven't seen anywhere. So, uh, and I knew this was the, the famous grip, complex type course so i was like all right here we go and uh sure enough you know i felt felt my grip there towards the end of the carry and i was glad there was a good little run out into the woods before there were any other obstacles i let my arms recover a little bit um and the the course was interesting that it you know the first close to a mile there was that and only a couple other obstacles um I followed a scenic creek, which was muddy and flooded, uh, but very, very technical little trails. There were a lot of single tracks, so it was good to establish your position in the run line by the time you got onto some of those. Notably, there were a lot of uh, briars, viney little thorns that you saw a lot of bloody shins coming out of there. Uh, people were catching on to those so it paid to watch where you were going and high step over some of that stuff as the as the course progressed uh there were a series of obstacles that were part of the the stuff that was at the, the adventure park there part of their ropes course i guess um there were permanent obstacles and the course just kind of flowed through those um there was a rope climb and like a a slip wall with a 12-foot vertical drop off the backside that all you had was a rope and you came down a wall. I thought that was nice. I know some people aren't so comfortable at heights and, you know, with wet hands and everything, you had to be confident in your grip and come down that rope. And then there were just some other random things out there. Uh, a farmer's carry, again, hitting your grip the uh i guess you call it the post hop where you went traverse from post to post to post uh that got more famous as the day went on <laughs> um, um and then the the course finally looped back around for one one pass through the close to the festival area where there was the engineered obstacles with rigging uh like the tarzan tarzan rig which was a series of ropes and then the final rope was a went to a ladder climb up over about a twelve foot high ladder and came back down, and then a slip wall. Yeah. Then uh, the, so at that point you went into the big the big obstacle area. So let's save that right. for a minute. But the okay, sure. You know, running through the course when I went through um, as like part of the first men's elite wave. <clears throat> you know, one of my like AAR or one of my like comments for the course was like, I really like how they're using the stuff that's already in, in existence on the course Definitely. and incorporating yes. it because it makes it very venue unique. So, you know, even if you went to the same series, a different venue or like the grip course at a different venue, it would be different from the grip course, the Dallas venue. Um, so I thought that was the coolest part. Um, except like you're saying, there was this one section where there's a bunch of 
essentially posts maybe how many would you think 12 10 yeah 10 or 12 yeah yeah it was a decent number and basically they're posts in the ground and what they did was they put uh two by four blocks on them um sometimes on the side sometimes on the back sometimes on the front so you essentially had to like kind of like a traverse wall slash post obstacle so like you have your one foot on you kind of like span it with your legs or your hands traverse to the other one and you keep going through it if anyone wants to see what it like it looks like in full action. I know they posted a technique video <clears throat> the day before the race, and then uh, Jason Williams has like a GoPro uh, head camera of the of us actually doing the obstacle, and I'm directly in front of him, so you see me almost. <laughs> uh, you see right. me almost fall off when I'm one post from the end, and I I, I grab yeah. onto the thing like I'm uh, hugging for dear life. But so that was already at the venue. Um, but the thing that was surprising, I guess, was they started loosening up with everyone kind of kicking it. And you think if, if it's at the venue, it should be more secure because it's a yeah. permanent fixture. Uh, Amy, tell us about what it looked like when you got there. Um, when I got there, it was pretty muddy. Um, so everything was like wet and there was mud caked on it. But the mud, I think, was probably what allowed the post to move around so much. And each post was starting to get like a little crater around it and you could literally rock them. So um, I'm not very tall. So a few of them, I literally had to like get on the post and then like use my weight to rock it closer to the next post so I could actually reach the next one and get on it. Um, so I think that was the big issue with the backup is the, the further the day went on, the worse those got and the looser they got. Yeah, and I know you and uh, I think a uh, girl who ended up finishing second, Aaliyah, ended up getting through pretty much first try. Is that correct? Yeah, I jumped on and then like immediately fell off, but then got on and made it through. Gotcha. And then most of the women's field was stuck there. And mm-hmm. um, kind of fast forward in the day, I know they essentially the, the race director came out and was like, all right, well, this is no longer uh, part of the course. But women had already given up their bands and men had given up their bands, I guess, um, at that point. So what I thought was really cool was the women were like, all right, well, if you're here, like it's, it's still part of the course for us, for elite women, you know, and, um, the, yeah, that way, that way the girls who had given up their band ahead of them weren't, um, you know, essentially disqualified as something that wasn't part of the course at that point. Right. But yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised they loosened up that much. I thought it was a really cool obstacle. I would like to see it again, except I guess, uh, built in the built for the venue. So using, uh, Sid's actual, building instructions so it doesn't <clears throat> get <clears throat> loose like that so and then let's so yeah more running more you know there's a tarzan swing some low crawls like the big uh, uphill up down um traverses like doug was talking about and then yep. you kind of emerged into the field amy take us through some of the obstacles in the field which is like where the grip really started getting crazy yeah so um I said, you start from that Tarzan rig and then right to another slant wall with a rope. Um, so even like there were a lot of obstacles that you wouldn't think, oh, that's super taxing on your grip. But when you do it in succession like that, where it's just like bam, 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 um, it gets really taxing. And then they had that, um, the hoist, what was that um, twist on life or a twist of life? Um, where you're actually, um, you have a, a little a rope attached to a weight um, that's a, you actually spin a metal, I don't know what you call it, like a metal sleeve that winds the rope to lift the weight. And um, I was, I guess, surprised, or like, you know, you wouldn't even think of 
oh, here's a, a strength obstacle that's actually a grip obstacle um, in the middle of all of that. And it, then it reminds me of those old school uh, gym forearm trainers, where essentially it's a bar with the rope and then the weight hanging, and you just you just rotate your wrists. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know what those are called, but right. <laughs> yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Like it's like a enormous version of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, then from there you go um, across a little creek and run. Um, but then you had. Um, it reminds me of that old battle frog obstacle with it where you just traverse along walls. Um, but that was kind of cool where you have the um, like four sections of wall um, that you have to traverse across basically. And in the middle, there's a maybe like a 10 foot pipe that you have to shimmy across to get to the next one. So that one was unique. Yeah, it was and like t- tip of the spear with no tip of the spear or Olympus, except there's no holds. So you're kind of mm-hmm. like gripping the top of the wall or shimmying across the top of the wall yeah and then well you go back to the field and then you had was it the force five rig next and then um stairway 2.0 and then um the complector like the the weaver with the the t-bars in the middle so it was kind of cool once you got there it almost felt like we we're at ocr worlds with like the the type of the build and the rigs and everything um but the, I guess when we went through, it was still fairly wet, but in the afternoon, it dried up a little bit. But the obstacles were still, I thought, pretty doable, as long as you were cautious. I, I think they dried out a lot, even between the time Doug got there to about 30 <laughs> minutes later. Because you, yeah. I, I, Amy, I watched you do things on the, on the stairway that I was, I was watching the top men fail. Like, oh, immediately, immediately, I was like, how is she doing that? And then I was like, this thing must have dried awesome. out in the <laughs> last 20 minutes. No, it wasn't drier. I'm just awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, it looked like she was doing one-arm pull-ups. <laughs> so I know I got to the Force 5 rig, and again, nothing, nothing super crazy about it, but I remember like my hands were like slipping off of that thing, and I remember being like, oh, oh. And uh, I watched a couple of guys. I watched, There was like two guys stuck there when I got there. And I watched uh, like one or two guys fall while I was there. I was like, oh. And then I got to Stairway 2.0, which to me should be easier than Stairway 1.0. And uh, I moved up two rungs and immediately dropped. And I was like, all right, I need a better strategy here because I'm slipping <laughs> off. Doug, tell me about what like your experience at Stairway 2.0. Oh, man. Yeah, I've, I've been reliving that a little bit because that, that cost me several positions in the race. Um, like you, well, actually, so I did, I did battle race March of 2020, the weekend before the whole COVID thing exploded. And I, I did the multi-lap endurance version of it. And I, I did that obstacle seven times without major problems. And I, I came into it very confident this time and I got on it and it was very wet. I, I mean, it was at least covered in dew, if not even rainwater from the night before. And, you know, like you, I got up two or three steps on it and I slipped right off and I, I realized I'm going to have to approach this way different. Um, I, you know, I was trying to, to back grip where my hands were facing palms together on each rung. Um, but even then, you know, I was, I was running out of out of that grab strength by the time I was getting to the top of it. So it took me, it probably took me four tries to get over it. And it, it required me 
like wrapping my hand farther over it so that my fingers are actually around to the bottom of the, each rung on the way down just to, to safety grip it and make sure I made it. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was treacherous. I knew, I, I knew it was going to be rough when I showed up and you and Scott were there and I was like, Oh, those two never have problem on stairway. Like <laughs> something is wrong. Yeah. And, um, I, it really, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to, uh, Victor Quezada who won and, uh, Van Tran yeah. came in second and Brent who came in third. And then the other top guys, right? Kendall and, uh, missing a couple of names there and then Jay Flores, but I, yeah. I give them a lot of credit because I was actually expecting to see more people stuck on some of these obstacles due to how wet they were. Um, yeah. I thought at least for the, the, the men only had to deal with slightly shifting of those, uh, those wooden poles. Um, but they had to deal with the wet obstacles and versus the ladies had to deal with the disaster of the wooden poles and slightly drier versions of the obstacles. So, right. Yeah. And then they they also had a signature obstacle at the end uh, called Complector, again named after the events, the actual event uh, that it's taking place at. So we won't see that again until I think the end. I think we'll actually see it again at the standard, uh, which I think has the three signature obstacles will all be at that final event. So Amy, tell us about what uh, the Complector obstacle was. So um, if you guys know, like Weaver from OCR Worlds, where you have pipes that you have to go over, under, over, under. Um, so you had Weaver up, and then once he hit the top, it was like a, a low rig with just the like the two by four size T-bars that you had for Stairway 2.0. So you had to traverse the, the low rig section um, with those, and then on the other side, it was Weaver back down. Um, but the, the pole that you were supposed to go under, it had like a sheath over it that spun, so uh, between the wetness, which sounds like it wasn't as bad for my race as your guys's, um, between the wetness and the spinning sheath, you definitely had to be cautious. And at that point, you definitely don't want to mess up anything and have to start that over so close to the finish. Absolutely. Backing up for a second, one final thought on Stairway 2.0. When I ended up going down, I ended up just like completely hooking uh, like the T. And then kind of going down that way. So like almost like chicken winging in the whole hold. So not like the actual the part that's sticking down, but like the, the cross beam sticking up. And just had a nice secure uh, kind of grip going down. But yeah, I thought the complector obstacle was really cool. And um, yeah, weaver, low rig weaver essentially. And then you was like 10 feet from the finish line. Like you came off it and like you could like almost fall across the finish line. So. <laughs> Doug, any thoughts on the uh, swag? uh for the participation swag <laughs> um I, I definitely like the shirt they said that shirt is unique to that particular event and it won't be the same finisher shirt all season i think that's a nice spin because i have drawers full of matching shirts that are all the same for a whole year's worth of races <laughs> at you know particular brands um the metal was very cool too let's see what did we get we got we got some yoke protein to try we got some squirrels nut butter samples to try which i have plenty of that stuff but i always use more so i added mm -hmm. to my my pile <laughs> um yeah it was i thought it was a, a well-supported race as far as those things go and then amy won first place overall uh for the ladies so i know dave ran through the whole prize pack but give us some some highlights of uh some of the stuff you won amy so we got a whole like a packet of um, yoked and 
mud gear socks. I'm actually wearing them right now as we speak um, with Battle Alliance on it and um, a squirrel's nut butter, like the deodorant stick size. And what else do we get? Um, a 20 pound plate and the brute force bag. It was the same sandbag that we had to carry. It's like the, the outer bag and it's got two like sleeves that you can fill inside. One's for 30 pound and one's for 50 pound. So that was pretty cool and versatile. And then of course a sword. Um, I had to mail that home. So I'm still waiting to, to receive it at the home end. <laughs> so if, you, if you're planning on winning, make sure you have a good plan either to have a driver mule at home or uh, you're willing to mail it. Just a heads up. Yeah. I don't think TSA would like that. No. And, and I know there, the, the actual award is changing per event, right? So I think the endurance one is like a trident, um, yeah. I've been told. And I think one of them might be like a hammer or something. I'm not sure exactly. Don't quote me on these. Yeah. I was just going by assumption based on the symbol they're using like for each event. But the strength one looked like a hammer. Yeah. And tried it. And then was it an arrowhead or like a spearhead for the standard, I think? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Good, good, good observation. A very astute observation. The medals are the, like the picture on the medal is what the trophy will be. Yes. For the top three. Now I think that's right. I think that's right. So I was going to actually post this in uh, on Facebook, Amy, but who on the team has the most weapons now? I think it might be you. How many, <laughs> how many weapons have you won from obstacle course racing, right? Because you have, uh, you have yeah. a, how many swords from Mud Ninja? How many swords do you have from Mud Ninja? I think five or six. Right, because you double dip a couple of years where like, you win age group and yeah. overall. Yeah, a couple of years they did. Yeah, you could double dip before they stopped that. And then Indian Mud Run, I have like Native American type, like a spear and a hatchet. Okay. Um, so that's yeah, like my, eight. Yeah, my living room is my armory now. And then this is this is nine. This would be nine then. Yes. Okay, I think you got me beat. I got I got two spears, two tridents, a sword, and two hammers. So that's seven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that mud your mud ninja just. It's it's I can't yeah. I can't keep up with that. That's that's too much that's of a, a nice story too. <laughs> yeah, it's too much of a dent there. Uh, other than that, you know what else? Uh, Battle of Alliance. I thought it was great. I thought the atmosphere was great. Sydney and uh, David Mainprize are both experienced, so you know a couple small hiccups in the event, but I mean that's I mean if yeah. your first. I did event, think go they marked it. it extremely well. I felt like it was like OCR World quality marking. Where like if you were off the course for two seconds, you knew because there was no tape there. Right, right. Then yeah. there's, was, like, there's no questioning that. Yeah, I was glad to see that myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a couple of like sharp turns, but again, they were so well marked. Like, I mean, I watched the guy run ten feet off course and then realized he had missed it before. Right. Time. You know, again, he didn't run. He didn't run two miles off course. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I thought like one of the cool things going in was just that there were so many unknowns. I thought like it's a new race series. No one knew what to expect. They basically advertised it as like, we're going to kill your grip. And they had the, like the unique stuff that we didn't think about, like the, the PVC pipe carries that are kind of like the fat grips and that um, twist of fate, like different ways that we didn't expect to tax the grip. And then the weather threw a whole nother. Right. And I know part of the, it was supposed to be like four miles. Part of the course was flooded, so the four miles got turned into about three point three. <clears throat> and we were talking about this after, you know. It's especially with it being the first race of the series. 
you know, essentially no one knows all any of the obstacles, right? So mm-hmm. you know, next time, next race, you'll have a certain percentage of the people that have seen us like, you know, 70% of the obstacles before. So um, yeah, some, of the, some of the rules will become clearer because like you can essentially just look around you and everyone will know exactly what to do. Um, yeah. So even if you weren't there, there's videos all over Facebook and social media now. So yeah, it, it's easier to find. Right. And we, you know, we just put up one on a CTG pro team, Facebook page the day this is a recording. Uh, so you can go back and look at that. If you want to look at strength and speed, Instagram or CTG Instagram or any of the, CTG protein people or most anyone you know that does OCR that lives in that in uh, Texas is probably has a video or picture of of one of their <laughs> obstacles up. So um, their next event is going to be June fifth in Kansas City. Uh, that is the strength course, and uh, I would highly recommend coming to it because June fifth is Battle of the Lions. June sixth is Wild Women's Timber Challenge, non-competitive OCR, uh, women only or men in drag, and that's going to be that's always a fun time. <laughs> If anyone wants to run hard the first lap, I'll, we can race. We can do an, like an informal race there, um, and then I'll take it easy the second lap or whatever. Um, I think I'm also going to go zip lining with my family Saturday afternoon. Like, the KC Timber Challenge is a zip line on the course, um, like a high adventure zip line. You got to like pay separately for it. Um, but then the actual KC Timber Challenge course on Sunday, we'll have like the mini zip line as part of the course, so you actually run and do the zip line. All right, so final thoughts on uh, Battle of the Lions. Anything we missed? Uh, start off with Doug. I'd mentioned just for a second about Valkyrie being in there. Uh, we kind of took that one for granted, but Valkyrie hasn't been seen too much. Um, OCR World Championships had it, and uh, that's that's one of Sid Morris's signature designs where it's about a, I guess, about a 20-foot-tall rig structure, and you've got – uh, Olympic rings, probably about seven Olympic rings that angle up and then angle back down at 45 degrees. So you've got you've got to sink, sequence yourself so that you're swinging right and reaching up with you know almost a one arm pull up motion to come up to the next one. And uh, I really enjoy that one. I always feel pretty secure on it, but I also feel like hey, I'm up high in the air and and uh, feel pretty cool doing it. Uh, but again, you know, when it's wet, it's a, it's a grip intensive thing and it can be a little tricky. Um, they had a great hay pile at the bottom. Uh, a few people might've seen my demonstration of falling off the top of it, that the hay was actually soft enough to save me. Um, <laughs> so uh, safe obstacle, but a huge obstacle. But, I've slipped off that thing once at Noram and once this past weekend, both times because on the way down, I got overconfident and I was, I just completely like, I, I would miss a little bit of the ring and I, the, uh, the weight, my like falling weight would just pull me off. So. Yeah. Yeah. Your momentum carries yeah. heavy coming down because of that angle. So, uh, Amy, final, any other final thoughts on battle of the lines? Not so much the race specifically, but the, the pros on they had, I thought that was a cool idea. Um, and it's kind of like a lot of times we're like, well, what are we paying this extra to do the the pro way for? And it's like, oh, cool. This is like, this is what we get. We get like a, you know, a place we can hang out. And with Alex before there, that was really awesome. So I thought that was really cool and unique. And I think it would be something cool if other races would kind of follow suit also. 
Yeah, I think it, it makes sense too because it highlights that there's a competitive portion of the event going on. Because mm-hmm. I've, uh, like, I remember walking away from CTG Iowa one year with the gauntlet on when uh-huh. I the year I won, and someone's like, "How did you get that?" And I was like, "I won the race," and they're like, "There was a race going on," and I was like, "What?" what? I was like, what are you doing here? But it was like they had no idea there was a competitive portion at the beginning of the day with like cash prizes and stuff. And I was like, I had to go back and explain that like people do this competitively and there's a world championship. And it was like, so it was just like, what? what? I like, I was, I was almost speechless, you know? Um, I guess the other thing, if I may, I thought it was cool. Like all the, the harder or the more, world championship type obstacles they were still very doable minus the fact that the the rain made it a little bit harder so it was like advertised as a super intense grip course but nothing on its own was really that hard that nobody could do it so it wasn't like there's one obstacle that nobody could do it just took a few tries to get through yeah and i think the strength course will be the same way i like i don't think one of the strength obstacles is like do a 400 pound deadlift, right? Like (laughs) it's going to be strength focused stuff, uh, but it's still obstacle course racing at the end of the day. Right. So it's still, Mm -hmm. it's still doable by obstacle course racing athletes, right? There's not going to be a, you know, 200 pound Atlas stone load in the middle of the race. I'm very curious like what creative ways they're going to have to incorporate like strength into it. It'll be interesting. I mean, just based off the grip one alone, uh, I'm sure it'll be very inventive. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, the uh, final thought I'll give is just not only about the race, but like the, the, again, back to the atmosphere and the athletes who showed up. I really, I really just enjoyed it. You know, like the, the, that stump obstacle had the opportunity for uh, people to complain and, you know, bitch and moan. And like, like we were saying at the beginning, if get in the BOTL uh, Facebook group, because it is hysterical in there. Like people took something that should have been something that's upsetting, you know, like, Oh, it cost me my race or whatever. And they've, we've turned it into like this fun atmosphere and there's all these like um, innuendos and jokes going on in the, in the comments um, <laughs> talking about uh, a woman of b- bottle, uh, w- woman of wood uh, calendar and, and stuff like that. So, you know, just, just a really good attitude. And, you know, I like that, um, you know, people did lose their bands on some of the harder obstacles, but I didn't hear anyone complaining like, oh, that obstacle was BS or blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I'll train harder next time or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it is what it is, you know. So, I, you know, people taking accountability for their actions. I like that. I like that stuff. All right. Before we get going, me and Doug just signed up, and Jenny Overstreet just signed up for our first ever Indian Mud Run, which I'm super excited about. It's never at a good time, and this year is no different. I'm going to be literally <laughs> moving houses. <laughs> But QB is like, you got to finally come. And I'm like, all right, you know, like I actually don't have a race this weekend. All I'm doing is like physically moving <laughs> houses <laughs> and setting up my new one. I was like, but I'm going to do that and uh, deal with the consequences. So, yeah, I'm going to Indian Mud Run. Um, Doug, I guess, give me, give me any, throw some uh, thoughts out to Amy, who's actually been yeah. there several times and won. Um, and what we actually, have to Sample's also won once too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Amy, how do I win it? (laughs) (laughs) Be good at obstacles and rugged terrain. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the main thing I know about Indian Mud Run, having never, you know, seen it, I haven't really watched YouTube videos about it too much or anything, but, but their signature obstacle is like that 
series of traverse walls that have like rock climbing holds and then it goes really high and it was mm -hmm. at it was at a u.s championships in texas and i think i saw it at world championships before um but what other signature style obstacles stick out in your mind there they have a lot it's Oh, I think the last one was like 70 obstacles over six miles. Like some of them, of course, are like balls in the natural terrain, but there's like multiple rigs. There's like a huge water slide. Um, uh -huh. There's a, a really long rolling traverse over um, the river or creek or whatever. There's like a really long set of like permanent monkey bars. Um, there's one part you go into a lake and then you have to come out onto a wall, like climb up and then jump off back into the lake. That was pretty neat. Um, he had like Skull Valley, um, Warped Wall, um, the Destroyer that, um, I guess that's like a, kind of like a slant wall where you're coming up or an inverted wall where you have, um, only handholds that you could use to get over. Um, but they also use a lot of the, the natural terrain. There's some ravines with like rock cliffs in there that you're kind of rappelling down and going up. Um, so the train was definitely pretty rugged too. I know Hubie puts on a great event and has great obstacles, so I'm super excited. Yeah. This has been on my bucket list for years, and I'm running the Pro Wave in the morning, and then I signed up for the Chiefs Challenge, which is you said you have to complete three laps of the course. So the multi-lap this year is not competitive. I think he said in 2022 he is going to make a multi-lap competitive. Um, so the, I think the, the 2021 and the previous ones is just uh, completion. Is that correct, Amy? Do you know? I believe so. I never, yeah. like, you got, um, I think it was a, an arrow for every lap you did extra, um, but I don't think it was actually competitive. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you just get an arrow for completing all three laps. Um, Maybe that was it. I think that's what it is. And then the, the prizes, and what have the prizes been in the past? I know they've been. They have, um, these are like Native American type weaponry. <laughs> um, so the, the one year it was a, a hatchet. And the next year it was a spear. Um, I don't know what it was in other years, but I think they had done hatchets before. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's mm -hmm. so cool. And tying them, tying it like back into the community. And yeah, it's not like they're it's actual Native Americans making this stuff. Like it's not a, you know, it's not some, right. it's, some third party or whatever. It's like, I don't know. It's that. Legit. Yeah, it's legit. It's legit. So that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, like I said, me, Doug, and Jenny are going. I know, Amy, you're going again this year, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so we'll have a pretty good crew out there. Um, and then I'm sure Ohio is – there's always a lot of great athletes coming in from Ohio. So, mm -hmm. And what I also like about it is uh, Hubie does waves kind of like the OCR World Championships where it's um, – you run with your age group, so you actually know what you're – like where you're sitting on during the placement in the middle of the race versus uh -huh. waiting to the end. I think that's super cool. And for those of you, we had him on, uh, I don't know, it was about two years ago. They, he has some sort of scoring system of, with teams where basically um, to win, like, the best team, you actually need you, – you don't just bring, like, your top five pros and, and just crush the course. Like, you actually need people in each – the more people you have in each age group, the more likely you are to win the team award, right, because there's, like, points available uh, as podium mm -hmm. for each age group. So, you, like, you're, you're better off coming in with, like – a great 30 to 35 year old, a great 40 to 45 year old, et cetera. Right. Like on down the line, mm -hmm. men and women. It's kind of cool. It makes, makes you, maybe you pull in, maybe pulling some people into the uh, sport who may be competitive or, but are older and et cetera. 
So, uh huh. Good stuff. I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. It like like you, Evan. I've I've had that on my bucket list for probably four years, and it's just always been a huge conflict with other stuff going on, local stuff to me that I'm supposed to be involved with. So, this year the schedule got pushed open a little bit with the remains of COVID stuff, and I'm fortunate to be able to go. All right. Well, let's start wrapping things up because it's late and I'm I'm tired. And uh, <laughs> before we go, though, since uh, we got two people on the podcast, let's uh, go with some. Tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. And we will start off with uh, whoever wants to start. And digress uh, into start. irrelevancies here. Go ahead. Go for that. <laughs> um. Well, some people know, but some people don't. But it, it I, I don't know why it came to mind. But somebody, somebody at Battle of the Lions saw me, and they were like they're like, Whoa, you're, you're here on time. And I realized like, it's almost like a terrible trademark that I show up late or like <laughs> just at the last second to the starting line, like the last savage race I did. I remember that they started at two minutes early, which really played against my bad habit. <laughs> and I'm like putting my timing chip on and like, they are like counting down to go. And I'm like trying to snap that timing chip and just get out of there, you know? And of course, Timing doesn't start till I cross the start line, fortunately, but, but at Battle of the Lions, somebody was like, Hey, you're here. And then, and then like Evan mentioned, I missed the team picture. I, because I was there on time. I was in my Jersey. I looked great. And then I was like, I've got to do a little warm up run. And I waited to the last minute to do my warm up run. And next thing you know, there's the picture and Hey, where were you? <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, what people should know about me is, I'm going to wait till the very last minute because I try to be efficient with my time, but probably should try to program a little extra time in there. All right, Amy, what do you got? Yeah, something people don't know about me. Um, I don't like bananas. <laughs> I don't know. I can't come up with anything better. You don't like bananas. <laughs> have, no. you had, have you had chocolate covered bananas, like frozen chocolate covered <laughs> bananas? I don't like chocolate either. That was my last one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, no. <laughs> Who are you? But if you combine them, maybe it'll change your mind. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'm going to go. So I'm going to go with something new um, that people don't know because it's new. So you, no one knows it really. So we always give Doug uh, <sighs> crap for being the old guy on the team. Um, but the truth is, well, I, I'm younger than him, but I'm the one, I, my body is, is falling apart on some aspects. So I mentioned on the podcast before, so I've, I've lost hearing in my left side of my ear or my left ear mm-hmm. from, uh, from uh, being in the military, shooting guns and some explosions and stuff like that. So like a year ago, they were like, do you hear ringing in your left ear? I was like, no. They're like, do you have trouble understanding people? I was like, no. Are you dizzy? No. And fast forward <laughs> a year and like, now I hear ringing. Now I have trouble understanding people. A lot of it has to do with the masks. I can't like see mouth moving anymore and uh, haven't quite confirmed if I'm dizzy yet, but um, <laughs> I've been known to fall off a couple of things here and there. So I actually, I got a hearing aid on my left side about two weeks ago. Um, so that's my, that's my new thing. I got a hearing aid on my left side. So I can still hear pretty good, but uh, it does make the constant high pitched uh, beep uh, that's going on in my left ear go away when I'm wearing it. So I, I do appreciate that, which yeah was starting to get old really fast. So yeah, wow. 
It's my fun, my fun facts. So we now have uh, three not good ears on the CTG Pro team. So, no, I got, I've got one, and then uh, Jenny Overstreet has two. Uh, she, she has double hearing aids there. Huh. So if you ever see her on the course and yell at her, you, she's probably not just being mean and ignoring you. She, <laughs> she can't. I'm, I'm not sure how bad her hearing is, but um, yeah. That's my fun fact. It's fun. I feel like I have okay. super. I came home and I was like, I have superpowers now. Like I can hear things from across the room. And my wife's like, No, that's just normal hearing. And I was like, right. Well, it feels super powerful to me. So you'll seem so attentive around the house now. I know. I can't use that as an excuse anymore. It's right. all right. We're gonna get going before we go. Final shout outs you want to give? I'll start off with Doug. Oh, um, well, shout outs to. To Sid and David for pulling off the, the first battle of the Lions, and uh, um, I know I know what it takes to put together a race from having done some of that myself, and I'm glad that it it happened, and I'm looking forward to smooth sailing for the rest of the year with their other events. Yeah, them and everybody else who is putting up obstacles in the rain. And... Yeah, yes, hats off to all their volunteers too. Yeah, there's a lot of familiar faces I saw posting online. Uh, some of the strength and speed guys, AC Hal and Ian, yeah. were out there building. Yeah. So that was good to see. Yep. Um, if you want more OCR, more Battle of the Lions, show up. I mean, these things are happening 100%, right? They're in all locations that Conquer the Gauntlet held uh, races last year when COVID is at its highest. And now things are opening up again. So sign up for Battle of the Lions. It's happening. Um, again, I highly recommend the Casey uh, two events in one weekend, June 5th, 6th. And then uh, look for their other uh, Battle of the Lions events throughout the year. And then obviously the Conquer the Gauntlet 10-year anniversary event, which is going to be huge. Um, in May, they're doing a – if you head over to their Facebook page, they're doing a discount code where you get $10 off your registration, and then they donate $10 to Folds of Honor. So double win. You save 10 and uh, Folds of Honor gets 10 bucks. So highly recommend you do that. I just dropped a whole bunch of new articles on Muttering Guide. So head over and scroll through. Uh, they, they literally published like eight of my articles in like a week. <laughs> so it's <a> <laughs> excessive. But there's some reviews for some high lead stuff. There's uh, talking about the cost of, po- cost of poor traction, right? So uh, if you're running in like worn down shoes, like what it's actually costing you, um, you know, you think you're like, oh, well, I'm saving money because I don't have to buy another pair of shoes. It's like, well, you know, sometimes the cost is a little bit unseen. Um, so there's an article on that. There's a rundown of OCR mill 21,000 feet, which I still, I need to grab everyone's name who donated and thank them on air. So I'll try to remember to do that next time. Some information about Battle of the Lions, also up on Muttering Guide. Um, bu-bu-bum. Review of High Leet's t-shirts. Um, Doug, what are your thoughts on some High Leet shirts? Um, I, I really like them. Uh, since I'm a, a slim fit kind of guy, I'm just lean and, you know, kind of that runner's build. Uh, I like, I really like the ones that I've gotten that are just, they're a little bit tighter fitting. Um, it's not like that generic, you know, like a finisher shirt cut that's just kind of loose and not that flattering. So um, that's one thing. And the other thing is like sweating and on, you know, it, it, it's good about holding the moisture off your skin um, it's a good blend of fabric. So that's what I've got. Yeah. So Doug, Doug's in that high lead article. He's also the cover image of the unseen cost of poor traction article. 
And uh, there's also an article about volition chiropractic and building local OCR. So even if you're not local to Kansas City, I threw some tips in there about like essentially combining uh, with your local events to kind of promote local businesses, especially in this like uh, post-quarantine businesses be still being affected pretty substantially by COVID. Um, And then there's an article about the new strength and speed guide to lead obstacle course racing, right? So my best-selling book, I updated it in digital format, uh, put new interviews in the back, updated a bunch of the content on the inside. You can read about that on Mudrun Guide. There's also a link there to the actual Amazon uh, where you can actually order the book. And I think it's 10 bucks. So, I mean, you, you can't get a better price for that. That's super cheap. And then there's also a review about egg weights. So the, uh, since you weighted things you run with or practice punching with to kind of add some stress to your arms in addition to working on your cardio. Any, anyone have any thoughts on egg weights I want to share? I like them for plyometrics because I don't like to add a lot of weight for those, but it's enough that you notice it. And um, uh, without, I feel like it doesn't add as much impact, but you're still getting the benefit from it. Yeah, I've, I've been using them. I haven't done much running with them. Um, I'm gonna, I've been ramping up my running, so I've been just kind of doing normal running now. But the, I was using them for some cross training, like uh, hitting a punching bag. And I couldn't believe how, you know, it's like three pounds in each hand. And I couldn't believe how much like my hands slowed down for each movement. It feels, it feels like I'm moving so slow. And then you take them off and you feel super fast. So pretty cool training tool. Um, I think, see, Ashley, I know, and uh, Michelle are both in that article, Michelle Warnke. So yeah, keep an eye out. And then on top of that, new articles publishing weekly on strength and speed. Uh, head over to the article section, and I have a bunch of articles coming out on Adventury. And then the Mud Gear video shot by Bobby Ross, which we were filming uh, over the last two months, is about ready to be aired. I think there's going to be a premiere on Mud Gears or something. So I don't have all the details yet. It's still being worked out. But look for that because I've seen the video ahead of time, and it is awesome. And I, and I shared a sneak peek of it with uh, Doug and Amy, I believe. You were, you saw it, it was too. Pretty awesome. Yes, it was very good. It's got like the to me, it's got like the feel of like a big budget Under Armour or Nike type yeah. commercial. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll recognize a lot of faces in there. And then on top of that, it's Mud Gear, right? Which is like everywhere because it's mm-hmm. OCR, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, we're gonna get going. Uh, it's past my bedtime, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Okay, talk to you later. Good night.